Welcome to the Audacious Living Podcast, hosted by my man, Audley Stevenson, the odd man. He'll unpack wisdom and insights from a cross-section of top quality performers in business, media, sports, entertainment, and lifestyle to uncover key elements to help you live your best audacious life ever. So without further ado, here is The Odd Man. Greetings and salutations, I'm Audley Stevenson, and thank you for tuning in to the most audacious podcast the internet has to offer. This is the Audacious Living Podcast, and I want to thank you for taking some time out of your day and joining us as we continue our ongoing goal of helping you live your best audacious life ever. We're on social media, and uh, as always, I encourage you to connect with us to keep that audacious conversation going. We're on Twitter and Instagram under the handle The Audacious Pod. And then you can find us on Facebook under The Audacious Living Podcast and our YouTube channel as well. You can easily subscribe to that and tap the notification bell and stay connected. So there's all kinds of ways to to be a part of this audaciousness. Uh, Like, follow, subscribe, share, uh, tell a friend. And uh, yeah, like I said let's keep uh this fabulous conversation going now uh, on this particular episode uh i'm happy to be joined uh by mitch gray you're gonna hear all about uh mitch gray in just a moment and and really uh this episode is for anyone that's had to go through uh the hiring and recruitment process sift through piles of resumes to find the right candidate or collect uh, conduct you know those endless amount of interviews um you know the if you're one of those individuals i think you're gonna really appreciate this episode and uh and what we can offer now that's where I bring Mitch Gray back into the mix because Mitch is the author of uh, How to Hire and Keep Great People, your go-to guide for finding great people, designing great culture, and building your dream team. Uh, it certainly is a big title that offers a whole lot, and, and, and there's no doubt that uh, there's valuable insights uh, that readers can walk away with with respects to uh, the hiring process and finding that perfect individual to fit your team. Now, Mitch is the founder of Mitch Gray Media, and he's had a diverse work background over the last 20 years or so. Um, he's been a business owner, a manager, a pastor, a not-for-profit founder, a community organizer. And what he's done is he brought all those experiences together uh, and has combined that into his book. So he's, been, he's, he's definitely been around the human resource field, if you will, and uh, the insights he's been able to pack those all into his books, into his book, rather, uh, to really help individuals identify those key elements that you should be looking for during the hiring process, uh, how to develop your team, your dream team to go to that next level. And then also uh, you spend some time talking about how compassion comes into play when building your team. Like I said before, there are a lot of great lessons to be learned. And so without any further ado, here's my conversation with Mitch Gray. Enjoy. So, um, yeah, I, I really don't have, I, I intentionally, I don't prepare any long introduction, Mitch. I mean, That's cool. I, I would say if you want to know about yourself, I, you probably know better where to start than me, but I just, you know, again, I just want to have a dialogue conversation. Uh, so, so first off, uh, thank you for, for, for making time to be here on, uh, the audacious living podcast. Appreciate it. I love it. I love it. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I, um, and I always talk about, you know, just really having, you know, heart to heart conversations about uh, uh, the phenomenal things that are happening in our world. And, you know, it's funny, it's so much of what I talk about is framed all this thing about audaciousness. Right. And um, but when you really break that down, it's, it's really coming. It really comes to, you know, who we are as individuals. And, and I'm going to use a word that I've heard you touch on and heard you speak to. And you'll, you'll probably connect with that, that human side of, of who we are as individuals. Yes. Um, yes. Uh, as and I'll get you to sort of talk about your background a bit, but certainly you know uh, everything that I've seen, what I've read about you, learned about you, that that element or aspect is is has been the constant. And uh, and and, and, I'll, and you correct me if I'm wrong, but it's safe to say it's almost like that's your your platform or springboard as a starting point. Is that is that a fair kind of starting point? That is 100% accurate, my man. 100% accurate. Um, you know, we all have one thing in common, and that's our humanity. 
And that that's kind of something um, I told you before we started recording, I have a background in ministry. And mm-hmm. since I was 10 years old, all I wanted to do was be a pastor that, that I was so be a pastor and a basketball player. And I was able to do, do both, you know, and, nice. but, but that was just at such a young age, I just had this, um, this pulling kind of calling kind of tugging at my soul strings idea that I wanted to spend, spend my life inspiring people. And it wasn't, you know, sure. I came from, I come from a conservative Christian background, mm-hmm. a very, what I call American Christian background. So it was mm-hmm. very, you know, we have an agenda. We've got to save everyone. Right. And I, I got stuck in that a little bit, but even within that, I was I was kind of always more about I just want to inspire people to live their best and to get through tragedy and to find the beauty in life. And so even at a young age, man, I I, I saw this identification of humanity right. w- within each of us. And I grew up in this really small town in the southern part of the U.S. And so. I saw the racism, you know, and, and as a white guy, I saw the, usually the, the acts of racism toward others, unfortunately. Right. And, and even within that, I just, and my family always had this compassion. You know, my grandparents were always serving people. They were always, even at 70 years old, they were the wow. ones driving other old people to the hospital. Right. It was like, right. they thought they were the young ones and they really were even at 70. And so I just kind of always had this within me to go, okay, there's something that we're missing. And, and the, the more I've grown and the more experience I've had is it's like, if, if we can just get down to the humanity of all of these issues yeah, and just see things through the lens of one human to another, one, yeah. one eyes of compassion to another. So anyway, you're hundred percent right. And, and in my leadership stuff and really in everything I do, it's like, okay, hold on back up a little bit. Yep. You're a, you're a human, no matter how much money you have in the bank, no matter what your culture is, no matter where you're from or where you're not from, you're a human, I'm a human. Let's yeah. start there. Yeah. And that's the fun part of it. But the problem is so many people fear their humanity. Hmm. Interesting. And so when you fear your humanity, in other words, when you fear not being perfect, when you fear not being the right size or skin color or from the right culture or background, when you fear that, then all of a sudden it becomes an issue to sit with your humanity. So then all of a sudden it becomes a real issue to have a conversation about your humanity. Yeah. But to me, those are the fun conversations. Well, they are. M- M- yeah. Mitch, they, they absolutely are because the dynamic, the ni- dynamicism that's created by, you know, y- your uniquenesses and my uniquenesses yes. and, you know, from a, yes. from a problem solving standpoint or from even just a, a connection standpoint, I think those are what create the opportunities you know, I, look, I don't want to sit totally. down with someone that's just not, that, that, that sounds and looks like me yeah. and has the same experience as me. Yeah. yeah fine. Like, yeah. first of all, I'm not sure who's going to get a word in. Right? Right. That's the first point. Right. But the second part about that is really, right. re- really, you know, Where's it? Where's the learning and growth and development from that? It's just it's just non-existent, and and so I I agree with you, bang on. Um, as 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 human beings on this planet, I think we're made and born to connect with one another, right? Fundamentally, yes, yes. we're, we're yes. not here by ourselves. As much as we want to no. think that we are at times, our ego may have another viewpoint on it. But right. you know, I, I I need you as much as you need me, and yeah. I think if. And to your point, that's a starting point. If the, so, yes. if, if the foundational piece is we're all the same and we've got to go in the same direction, that changes the landscape. It really, really does. Totally. And, and, I, and totally. I would say, you know, the, the, the bulk of the issues and the problems and what's going on in the larger world, large society wouldn't be as big or pervasive as they are. But I think, I think because people, they fear going within themselves yeah. so much, you know, that all of a sudden, then it's like, okay, well, if you remove all the noise yep. and just get to the humanity of it, I think a lot of people go, well, what am I going to do in life? Yep. Like, yeah, all of a sudden, that means all these issues that we're making up political and cultural, all this stuff that we're creating that by nature doesn't necessarily exist. Yes. Now, all of a sudden, half the people, they find their identity in that. I mean, mm. look at how many politicians are in the world. If you strip away the noise, they don't have a job. That's right. That's, that's kind of it. That's right. That's right. And so then it's like, okay, so then what do we do? And so I think we found our identity in so much drama that we move ourselves away from that humanity and that vulnerability. Because isn't that really what being human is? is, well, being, it is. Vulnerable. It is. being vulnerable. Absolutely. Being vulnerable. 
yeah. It, it yeah. absolutely is. I, I find it interesting. And I want to, I want to talk about your transition out of the church into the, I guess, the world at large, if you will. Um, the, the, you know, the humanist piece, obviously, uh, in any sort of church environment, that's there, right? That's, that, that's sort yeah. of the focus more than anything else. Obviously, the religion component, but in terms of that right. connecting with individuals, moving from that to, you know, changing your landscape, you know, you transition, we talk about transferable skills, right? That yeah, transferred yeah. with you. Uh, what, 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 can we start talking about that transition? Yeah, so, gosh, let me go back a little bit. Let's go back to 2004. Okay. Um, I, I got fired from my favorite job that, that, in my mind, I've kind of ever had, only because it was related to that 10-year-old boy's dream. And that was, I was pastoring a church. We were growing. It was a small church, but we had pretty much doubled in size. We were making a difference. We were, we were feeding the, the hungry. We were helping the homeless. I mean, it was just kind of my ideal world, right? Yeah. Yep. Um, and I got burned out, man. I, I was giving too much and receiving too little, which, which is my own fault. That's a personal issue. Anytime someone goes through that, um, that led me to really... I've probably dealt with it my whole life and we didn't identify it, but it led me to discover I was really battling depression. Mm-hmm. So for the first time in my life, you know, through some coaching and counseling, I was able to put a finger on yeah. some of these feelings I would have, some of these phases yep. I would go through. So I went to the church, I asked them for some time off. They said, yes, three days later, they called me back in and they fired me mm-hmm. for no real reason. And what's crazy is I had kind of already started this journey. You know, that, that denomination I was in at the time goes back generations in my family, yep. generations. It's what I went to school for. I mean, it was just like any other religious culture. Those are like the sanctity of your family, right? It's like the, yes, the yes. kind of stake in the ground. And yep. I was already kind of going, okay, some of the things I'm seeing don't quite make sense. And I, years before that, I'd fall in love with business. I'd always been in love with leadership. I'd always been in love with developing people. So in 2004, when I was forced to begin this journey of kind of reconciling and questioning and, you know, really looking in the mirror and going, okay, if I'm not going to go down that path in life, what else am I going to do? Because right. that was the only thing I wanted to do. And that was a 10-year journey, man. It was a 10-year journey yeah. Yeah. to all of a sudden start connecting the dots and going, hold on a second. This message that I've held so dearly, when you reshape, reframe, and repackage is the human message. And the human message is we all need community. We all want to be loved. And we all want to have purpose. Yep. And yep. when you can apply that to every single life, you know, I told someone the other day, I'm like, it's, there's a reason that hospitals have a program with newborn infants, that if that infant doesn't have a family, they have volunteers from the community that come in and they hold the babies and they right. talk to the babies because science shows us that when a baby has that, their propensity for development skyrockets. Mm. Why? You said it earlier. We have to have community in our own way. We have to have community. And so you know, uh, six or seven years ago, when I started thinking about leadership and the yeah. workplace and coaching, I'm like, how does that apply? Well, it 100% applies. It does. it does. Because your workplace is a community, whether you call yeah. it that or yeah. not. People give the majority of their waking hours to the workplace. That's correct. So we better change the landscape of the workplace. And then I started digging deeper and I'm like, ooh, leaders are having a really hard problem figuring this out because they've never been taught. Mm. Because for most people, the conversation in leadership never goes to, hey, how are you building community? Right. Are you really putting the right people on the right seat in the bus? Like, in other words, are you really aligning them with their passion and with their idealism and their thoughts? Forget what's on their resume. Learn about their humanity and what that looks like. So then it made sense to me. All of a sudden it clicked. And I'm like, yeah, this is the same stuff I've been teaching. Just in a different, you know, reshape, reframe and repackage. And people are relating to it, man. I think because Mm -hmm. when you tap into that human side. Yes, absolutely. And when you, when you go, Hey leader, you're not alone. You don't have to be the hierarchy of the whole system. Hey, janitor, your, your, your value is just as valuable as anywhere, anyone else's. Then they go, Oh, really? Oh, now I have some reason to show up every day. Yep. Yeah, yeah. The, the the job that are on our leaders today, uh, I mean, I'm not even 
you know, taking into account sort of the world of the workplace, not how it's changing because of the pandemic, but even just in general with so much focus on the bottom line, uh, uh, you know, uh, certainly retention, productivity, you can go on and on and on about the workplace issues in general that you've got to deal and manage. Uh, So, you know, these are kinds of things that can fall by the wayside. Uh, And so when we talk about the hiring and the retention component uh it, it, it just it, i mean it, it's almost it comes as no surprise mitch right that that you know, know totally totally not yes. a shock when you see all the things that they're all because that that if, if you've got to devote all your time to all these things well look just get someone in here and fill a seat because I, I gotta go right so yeah. i get it yeah. makes sense yeah it's it's like uh the result uh-huh. of doing things the right way has now become the solution to doing things the wrong way so we're like, okay, profit, m- margin, bottom line, production, et cetera, et cetera. Well, the way you're going to get there at maximum capacity right. is to build a strong community, right. to build strong people. That's, but we've forgotten this, the human side of it. Like we've been talking about, we've forgotten that. Right. And we've made you know, profit, margin, bottom line, and capacity. We've made that the solution to everything that's going to take you down the wrong path. And so there's no wonder leaders have high stress. Yep. There's no wonder the, the turnstile out the door and in the door of hiring people. There's no wonder that all that's happening because we've taken what is the result of doing things the right way. And now we've made it the focal point and, and it's totally backwards. And so, but again, we're dealing with vulnerability and humanity. Yep. And so when you talk to leaders about this idea of put your people first yes, and the results will follow, yep. it can, because now we're in a generation, you know, when I came up, when you came up, we were taught the human side of leadership. Sure. And I feel like we've, we're through a generation now that it's so much about scale. It's yes. so much about yeah. efficiency. Yeah. It's, yeah. And everything's automated now. You know, we're mm-hmm. literally removing humans from yeah. the production side. That's correct. When you do that, you lose connection. And I'm not That's saying right. that we get, you know, technology is going to have its place. Sure. What I'm saying is people will always be the lifeblood of everything. And when you remove the lifeblood, the body dies. No it. matter how awesome you make the body, if you remove the lifeblood, it, it doesn't sustain. Nope. You got it. You got it. You got it. So uh, you then come along with, you know, with an answer to the question, right? You've written yeah. a book, How to Hire. I'm going to get this because yeah. it's a big title, How to Hire, Keep, uh, How to Hire and Keep Great People, your go-to yeah. guide uh, for finding great people, designing great culture, and building your dream team. Yeah. Big title. Yeah. It says a lot. How did you land on that as your as as this is what the this is this is it? How did how did you get there? So about four years ago, I thought, man, people need to learn how to hire because they don't know how. So did you have an experience or something or what? Yeah, yeah. Twenty years ago, I did a really bad (laughs) job of hiring people, right? So, so at twenty-one years old, um, I was in a break. I just gotten out of seminary. Uh, The seminary I went to was, you know, eight hours a day, five days a week for two years. It was a two-year degree, a four-year degree in two. I got to the end of that and I'm like, okay, I need a break. Well, I had worked a, uh, a retail job in high school and I loved it. So I'm like, I'm going to go do that for a little while. You know, I had two kids. So I was yep. needing to support my family. Went and worked with a company six months later. They put me in charge of a multi-million dollar store. So at 21 years old, I'm running a multi-million dollar store and they did a great job training, but there's just some stuff that's really, you don't think about teaching. And especially when you move up that quickly. My first year, I, I went through over 110. I, I ran a team of 12 to 15 people. Mm-hmm. That first year, I went through 110 employees wow. Wow. in one year because my solution to finding great people was just you hire, 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 hire. Um, boy, did I learn a lot. And so this book is kind of a reflection of all of my experiences and kind of learning the wrong way, looking at other leaders. And really, again, you know, what I teach is the spiritual human aspect of alignment, of not just worrying about what's on someone's resume, but actually yep. learning the art of interviewing, learning how to ask the right questions um, and learning how to recruit. You know, to me, hiring is such a proactive yeah. activity, but we've made it such a passive activity. Yeah. And I'm going to go back to technology. I'm grateful that we have third party apps that can help people find jobs. But if I'm running a business, I want to hand select as many of those people as I can. Yeah, I want to hand. I want me and my high performers and my best customers to hand select as many because 
An algorithm can't teach culture. Right. An algorithm doesn't understand humanity. I do. But we've lost so many leaders have lost that. And I've had so many people tell me, Mitch, I can't find good people. I'm like, I can go out in 10 minutes and find you great people. In 10 minutes from ordering coffee, going to the bank and going to the grocery store, I can find you great people. And they're like, well, I never thought about doing it that way. I mean, this is like 15 leaders a week are telling me this. This isn't just a few. Right. And I'm like, yeah, because you're not making time for it. And if you don't make time for it, then you're not going to get a return on your investment because you're investing nothing. Mm. And so it's really just bringing, I came to the conclusion that the only way for people to ensure and mitigate risk of hiring is to teach them how to recruit, how to interview and how to align. Forget the resume, forget the resume, get people in the right seat. And if you get people in the right seat, you can teach computer programs and you can teach whatever else. Yeah. 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 No, it's, and, and, and so I was, totally agree with you because those are all teachable things right and ultimately 100 you, you, yep. you want the individual that is teachable not that yes. said they learned something right because those are yes. two different things entirely yes so so when we talk about finding great people uh, what does that because so I'll, I'll tell you so my, my initial thought again as someone who's kind of gone through some of those processes right so i've gone yeah. through those processes where yeah. i i uh, you know i had to hire and i didn't get it right all the time either but then there are some instances where like, well, I got this bang on. And I started to analyze those instances where mm-hmm. I, I got it right. And, and a, a lot of times, Mitch, it was what my gut said. It's how I yes. felt about that individual. Yes. My intuition said there's something about this individual that's right. And it had nothing to do with what they studied or what they, where they went to school or what they said they had done. So I wonder if, so, you know, the, the, the whole aspect of, of our gut and our intuition, how, how, where does that come into play for you? Yeah, it's always in play. The problem is teaching that in a book or in a seminar is because, you know, where does where does intuition come from? It comes from practice. You know, you take an athlete who's at the top of their game and they just tell you the game slows down. It happens for me. I know what to do. Well, how do you know what to do? Because I've been doing it for 10 years because it's rep after rep after rep. It's free throw shot after free throw shot. It's, you know, blocking. It's whatever it is. And it's the same in every aspect. There's a reason that things come second nature and intuition is the same. The more you put it into practice, the better it's going to get. And so it's hard to teach someone that on the front side. Right. You know, I, I can't tell you how many business leaders I've talked to who are hiring people and they've never interviewed. They've never interviewed. They're either depending on a website or an application mm-hmm. or someone else so gotcha. they're in this position of running a business and they've never actually entered. I was working with someone a couple of years ago and she runs multiple um, kind of family business situation. They have multiple uh, businesses, fairly yep. large businesses. Yep. She, she was running all these employees and had never interviewed anyone. Hmm. And it's like, well, who's doing your hiring? Who's doing your interviewing? And so my thought is if you're a leader and you don't know the art of interviewing and right. you've never practiced to come to that intuition, how are you then going to expect others to do the same? Because you know, they've never been taught. And so, yes, I think intuition, after you have that pattern of failing, succeeding, you can identify things that, well, this person has this personality. This person was able to do this. You know, one thing I always love personally, I hired a lot of ex-college athletes. Okay. And 9.9 times out of 10, they were amazing employees. Mm. because they had to be foundation thinkers. They had to be hard. They had to have hard work, you know, good work ethic. Yep. They were coachable. Yes. You don't play in college or professionally <laughs> and not be coachable. It doesn't work. That's right. And so that's a trait that I was like, Ooh, that's interesting. And so that led me down another trail of recruiting. I wanted to recruit those type of people. Gotcha. Um, I love, I loved recruiting other business owners. I mm-hmm. loved recruiting other managers because I knew they had, for the most part, they had those traits. And so I think intuition has two sides. It's a gut reaction. It's yep. that I call, I call that energy. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. So when, when you and I meet virtually or face to face and we have a simpatico, we have an energy. Mm-hmm. I can see that. I mean, we can all feel it. We just don't sure. always address it. Right. You have that. That's, that's kind of that intuition telling you, yeah, chase this a little bit further or gotcha. shut the door on this as quick as possible. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Cause there's those people, right? Yeah. So that's the one side to intuition. I think the other side to into to intuition is a learned skill of awareness. Mm. And you just know again through that repet I go back to athletics and sports. Yep. 
a professional football player knows something. Tom Brady for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers knows because he's been around for 20 years. That's right. And he knows what that first year player doesn't know. Not because he's necessarily better. He's not the most gifted, but he's seen it. He's seen it. And so that's the other side of intuition is it is a learned skill. And so really to propose that in the book, it's like, okay, what does that really look like? Right. Yep. You know, we can only perceive things from our current situation and if our current knowledge is that we don't deal with intuition, then intuition doesn't really matter at that point. So yeah, but but I think it does. I think it does have everything to do with it. Um, I think that also ties back into the human, the human existence. Well, it's funny you say that because the piece I was going to, I wanted to bring it back to our our initial conversation around compassion, because in in my, my viewpoint, if you're, if you're demonstrating those skills, those compassion skills, the, the listening, the, those are the same things that you can put into the hiring process that you can do upfront, yes. right? Yes. As, because yes. when, when, when you bring people on board and you're exhibiting that, you're, you're, I want to develop you or uh, you're, 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 you're able to be coachable. Uh, I can listen to you. Uh, I can relate to you. All, all these sorts of things. They can be done up front in the hiring process. So I, I think that, again, it's going back to the need yeah. for us to exercise that compassionate muscle. They, they better be up front or you're going to yeah. get it wrong every time, <laughs> you know, and it's, and it is learning the art of asking questions and that's mm-hmm. really a door to compassion, right? It's, Hey, Hey, you know, tell, tell me a time that you really struggled with being coached. Right. That to me is a great question because I want to hear when they've struggled with it. I don't want to know all the good stuff. That's I right. want to hear someone say, yeah, there was a time in my life where someone was trying to instruct me and I rejected it and then I fell on my face. Oh, so what'd you learn from that? Well, I learned that I better listen to coach. Oh, okay, that's interesting. And so that is that art of compassion, that art of listening. Um, I tell people all the time, when you're in the interview process, you should be asking far more questions than you're making statements. And we've all been in interview situations being interviewed where the person interviewing us spends more time giving us statements. Yes than asking questions. And yeah. so that skill, but that is that compassionate side. You know, the other thing I like to tell people is you better be open and upfront about your culture in an yes. interview process yeah. early on. Mm-hmm. That's another way to be compassionate. You want to tell that person, look, here's what we're about. Yeah. And if you don't think it's right for you, let's figure that out now. And we're okay. Hey, hey listen, people okay. can self-screen themselves. I have a lot of respect for that, right? People who will screen yes. themselves out of a process because they've identified themselves that this culture doesn't work for them. Not going to work. And it doesn't mean you have a negative culture. No, no, no. It just doesn't work for me. It just doesn't work. It's not a fit. And that's, that's what I go back to alignment, you know? And, And when we go back to humanity, the most human thing you can do is align someone with where they need to be. And that may not be with you. Right. And that is 100% okay. Don't be, but when you're when you find yourself hiring from a place of desperation, yes, it's really hard to be compassionate and human because yeah. you're just trying to find bodies. That's right. That's and right. And so you know, if you find yourself hiring from a place of desperation, you, you you were headed there long ago, and you're not in a good place. So my advice is stop hiring, and let's figure this out to get the right people on board. Mm-hmm. Well, and you hear so many companies, uh, you know, they tell, you know the, the desired workplace, or they get recognized for being the place that they have that culture where people want to be. They do some of the things that we're just talking about, yes. uh, uh, particularly yes. around the, the, the culture. So, yes. so what's the starting point then when we say, okay, so let's, let's figure out what our, our, our culture is because part of it is the people that are already there. So if you're, so for example, you're yes. your company and, and, and you're, you're, you, you, you've woken up and said, we need to figure out our culture. Well, you got to start with what you work, what you have in front of you, as opposed right. to, you know, pulling right. something out of the sky and saying, here's what we uh, now are. But, but, but once you get that going, what does that look like that process? Yeah. Here's the $64 million question. Why do you exist? And your response can't have anything to do with your product. It can't have anything to do with your product. Answer the question, why do we exist? Wow. And if you can't give a clear answer that is unrelated to your product, you have a yeah. problem. Right. And yeah. that's where you begin. That's where yeah. you begin. Once you respond to that question, then you can dig deeper. Why do we exist? How long have we existed for this purpose? What does this really mean? 
What are we doing to take action on why we exist? Again, unrelated to your product. If your product was totally, it was a ghost. It didn't exist. You have to answer those questions. Yep. And responding to those, then it's like, okay, you know, let's say I'm running a, a business that's been around for a while and we've got 200 employees. Yep. Your leadership has to begin with those questions. And then the question becomes, okay, we know our purpose and we know why we're here. We know what we're doing. We know why we want to do it. How do we pull our team into this? How does their purpose in life align with our overall purpose? How does their um, life belief system align with the work they do every day? Because again, employees are spending the majority of their waking hours That's right. building your dream. Not their own. They're building yours. That's right. And the more you can, the more you can tie those together, you're going to have better efficiency. You're going to have better performance. You're going to have better job satisfaction. And now we bring the product back into the picture, whatever that is. And your team is going to now perform at higher levels than you ever thought possible. Yeah. But it begins with the why. Why do you exist? What good are you doing in the world? Who are you really serving? Are you serving the board of directors? Are you serving your clients, customers? Mm-hmm. Are you serving yourself? Identify all that. Yeah. And then just start working back from there. Yeah. And, and, and it's so funny because it, 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 that, that answers a lot of questions and solves a lot of problems. So even yes. within the context that we're talking about hiring, well, if you know your why and that why aligns with me, you could you potentially know attract, who. right, right, and, and so all of a sudden, if it, and so we talk about attraction, you're bringing in these people, right? So that's where it comes from, you know, attracting great people. So let's go really crazy here, right? Okay. Let's go really okay. deep, and I don't, I don't go there in the book because again, in the book, it's hard to define. I'm going to go there in the next book, though. Okay. There is a universal principle that says whatever is in your mind, whatever is within you, is going to manifest outside of you. And so if all you have is confusion within you, or if all you have is we're only about the product within you, and you have a cold approach to people, you're going to attract the people that can survive the cold approach. You're going to attract the people that just show up every day and do a job and don't really care. Right. But if you live from a human standpoint, from a culture, from a strengths-based culture standpoint, an inclusive culture. If you live for a higher purpose than just your product, and we're talking the existence of a company, now all of a sudden you're going to begin attracting other people with really without any doing of your own. Yeah, You're going to find yourself attracting people that align with what the momentum and motion you take part in is either going to repel great people or bring in great people. And I have a theory in life, and that theory is positive affirmed, confident people are the best, they're the most aware of any people in existence on earth. They can smell negativity from a mile. Yes, they can. And so if you want to attract great people, then you have to deal with those foundational issues. There's a reason that, you know, when, when places like Google put napping stations or they serve lunch at I mean, there's a reason they attract curious people because it's right. like, wow, that's different, you yep. know? And, and, and so, yeah, that, that law of attraction, that universal existence, call it whatever you want. The bottom line is there's an energy force there that says when I focus my attention mm-hmm. on growth and positivity and hopeful situations, I'm going to attract people into my life. Yeah, that bring the same with them. And that does not change because you're at your office. Yeah, it does not change. It's no. the same no matter where you are. Yeah. And, and what's really interesting is now that uh, you know, employees are being more selective about where they want to work. Right. Totally. And, and I'm so grateful for that, brother. I'm yeah. so grateful. Yeah. For that. Yeah. It, it holds companies accountable. Right. Like at the end of the yeah. day. And and that's why when you're hearing organizations saying we're having trouble finding people well there's a reason yeah and the reason is you better look in the mirror Mm. and you better take a hard inventory of that reflection because here's the thing i had someone tell me the other day you know and you hear it everywhere this is they're calling this what the uh the great resignation the era of the great (laughs) resignation is what i see people calling it and for quite a few months now i've been calling it the golden age of hiring yes because people aren't settling. They're looking for a new place to work. They're looking for a new opportunity. They're looking for alignment 
there was like some uh, some piece of data I saw the other day that like 70% of the people resigning are moms wow. and they don't plan on going back to work. Well, the reason they don't plan on going back to work is because they found a higher purpose. But I guarantee you the majority of those would want to take part in something that help fulfill that higher purpose. So, so no. it's not like they just want to not work. No, no. It's that they wanted to align with their higher purpose. And so, yeah, then it becomes the burden of a company. It becomes a burden of a business owner to go, okay, am I going to realign? Am I going to serve a yeah. higher purpose here? Am I going to serve a higher existence for our culture? Or am I going to just settle and complain? Mm -hmm. Because I'm still calling it the golden age of hiring. I'm telling yeah. you, there are some amazing people that are ready to make a shift, to make a change. Yep. Or, you know how many amazing people I've met that just got laid off because of the pandemic? Yep. And they're just kind of floating around. They're either being told they're too overqualified or want too much money. Mm. And it's like, wow, this this is the time to find people, man. It is. Yeah, yeah no, yeah. I, it is. And it's just really interesting. It, I think the pandemic did a lot. Yes. Uh, for some, for, for some people, they realize where, you know, when we talk about alignment, you know, what they should be aligned with, uh, yes. others realize, well, this is what I want to be focused on instead of what I thought was important. I thought it was, you know, building my career and contributing to this company and giving my all, but there's a whole other aspect now that I realized I was forced to realize that I like yes. a whole lot better. And so we're seeing that, um, and then, the, and then it's the emphasis on, on balance and, and that work-life balance, because we're now seeing a shift because of what we've experienced over the last year or so. Yeah, and what's crazy about balance is it's really a myth, right? Like, like balance is this mythical unicorn. And what I mean by that is you got to make money. I mean, it's the world we live in. Sure. But you also want to enjoy your life. But if when we view it from, well, I have to balance it, really the idea of balance is the scales that I have to have equitable value on both sides of the scale. And so what I invite people to consider is don't look at life as being balanced. So look at life as being a whole, non-compartmentalized. Non so what that means is you have to step into work that fulfills a purpose. Yes. So you don't feel like you're wasting, because balance kind of alludes to the idea that you feel like you're wasting your time right. on one side. I'm of giving this up because I'm on the other side, I'm getting yes. what I want. And exactly. No, that's something different. It doesn't ever work. It doesn't ever work. And so really it's this idea of the work that I do eight to 10 hours a day, six hours a day, whatever, it better be fulfilling some type of purpose. If I love accounting and I'm a passionate, you know, I, I'm passionate about accounting, then don't go fry hamburgers at the fast food joint. Like right. that's not where you need to be. And so that can, that can be a real um, influencing impact from a leadership standpoint. And one thing I love to teach leaders is you should constantly be communicating with your people with questions like, how are you feeling about your work? Mm. Is it fulfilling you? Is there something you could bring to the table more than what we're asking you to do? Have we equipped you to be successful? Is there something we're missing? Yep. Is there something we could do better? Is there, is there another idea? Do you see yourself in another position? So think about this. For a leader that was being that proactive before mm -hmm. the pandemic, yes, they wouldn't have seen as massive of a shift during the pandemic. That's right. Because proactively, they were, again, leading from their humanity, leading with connection and community. Someone now, you know, the, 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 again, the accountant that really has an itch to be a marketing person and only does accounting because their dad was an accountant. So right. they went to school for accounting. And by right. the way, that's a lot of people, right? I mean, a ton of <laughs> yeah. people go, they, they fit into that category, whatever that's their right. study was. That's right. And so now all of a sudden, because business leader was going to that person every single week and checking in, now all of a sudden the pandemic act happens and accountant guy has the audacity and the courage to say, Hey, you know, I really want to step into marketing. I think that fits me better. Right. And those are the kind if, if, if organizations would have more of those conversations, mm -hmm. I believe it would, it would expedite growth. I believe yeah. it would incredibly impact their culture. And actually they would be constantly active in aligning people at where they're better fit. Yes. And yes. not worrying about, well, I went to Rutgers for, you know, right. to become a lawyer or whatever. Like, I mean, it's crazy. The data is like 78% of people that graduate college with a degree don't go into that field of study. Look at that. Wow. Wow. That's and that's, right. that's universal. That's just not in America. That's, that's, right. that's across the yes. world. Yep. And it's like, so, so then what are we paying attention to the person right. or the paper? Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. The person or the paper. And, and right. that needs to be a constant thing of awareness. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, we say we have to get the papers. I have to get the papers now what? Right. That's oftentimes right. what it is. Uh, and we but, don't even use it. And it's like, <laughs> exactly it. it's a paperweight sometimes or whatever. When it's not, you know, it's not yeah. what it's what it's supposed to be. But, uh, you know, going back to the example of that accountant that wants to be a marketer. I mean, even to know that the the the, the environment allows them to be able to freely say, hey, this doesn't work. So, so, you know, that's a point for the culture, but I also give a point to the power of engagement because, you know, the, yes. that engagement allows it to say it's, it's okay, as opposed to, well, I may not be allowed to look over there because I got this job to do, because if that culture allows us to freewheel and figure out what works for me or what doesn't, they can, they can do that openly. Leaders now, okay, okay, fine. I'll just find someone else great to put in that role of filler for the account. Like that. So, so that, that's what creates that process, that, that cycle. And I think that's, that's a fantastic situation to be in. Yeah. Well, I mean, the bottom line is you can always find people to replace someone. Right. If, you know, if, if you know where With you're the right doing, people. you can find the right people. Yeah, that's if right. you know where you're doing, find the right people. And so, right. you know, but, you know, if you talk about someone that's really active in recruiting they have a team that's active in recruiting. You're constantly building a Rolodex of people that you can recruit. Mm, I mean, point. you know, I, I, I don't have a team right now, um, but I'm always, I, in my notes app on my phone, I'm always keeping notes of people that I meet. And on average, I find three to five people a day that I would go back and recruit. And I'm keeping notes because as I grow, yes. I'm going to go back to that barista at Starbucks that treated me well. Right. I'm going to go back... And so it, when leaders are doing that, they now no longer fear yes. moving someone or losing someone. That's no longer a fear. And so the reason the conversations we're talking about don't happen very often is because in that leader's mind, they're like, well, shoot, if I move this person to marketing, I don't have right. to count it. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And, 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 and the paper is so influential that they're like, well, I'm going to find someone that's certified in accounting. When the bottom line is you can pay for someone to be certified in accounting. That's right. You don't have to find you. You just need to find someone who's good and enjoys accounting. That's, that's right. more important than someone that's already certified because for 1500 bucks, I can go get someone certified in accounting. Sure. That's not a problem. And if I can do that and then have a great accountant who doesn't make errors and loves their job, isn't that, that's worth the money. And so, but when you don't have that Rolodex built, that's right. That's right. You don't have that network built up, then you fear making those decisions. And so then, I mean, there's so many leaders that don't even want to talk about the idea of alignment. Mm, Doesn't fit. Because they naturally know they don't have alignment. They don't know what to do with alignment. And if they do align things, they may have to hire more people and they don't have a network built up to bring in great people. So alignment to many people says, oh, my gosh, I got to put out ads. I got to put something on Indeed. I got to go to Glassdoor. I got to go recruit because they haven't been actively involved in that. And so I get it. It's almost like a shock. Right. I mean, I get it. That's why some of these conversations are hard, because. Some people just aren't, you can only deal with some, someone at the place that they're currently at. Yeah, that's right. Well, if you're, if you're currently at, I don't know what to do, then <laughs> that's <laughs> difficult, you know? Yeah. And, and, and you don't, and you won't know what to do until you have until that you conversation. Know. <laughs> until you know. Yeah. The, the other part of the Rolodex uh, of, you know, having that network uh, on hand, if you will, another part of that is even other leaders who uh, and people that they've come across in their travels, because, you know, I, 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 I've been in conversations where it's like, hey, I, I'm thinking about what the next great whatever might be. Who do you know within your travels? Who do you right? One hundred percent. And that's another yes. great, great one. So either you're, you're, you're and, these, and these are of your colleagues that you trust and know and you I mean, that those are, you know, those are key things that have to be in place first. But once that's out of the way, obviously, um, yeah, it's 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 tapping other people's network is really the point. So, man, if if, if you told me today, mm-hmm. let's just let's just dream for a second. Okay, I'm going to yeah. put this out. Maybe it'll yeah. come through. OK, S- say I got a massive consultation contract, you know, okay. three three million dollar contract today. And I all of a sudden had to hire 20 people right. to make this thing roll. I had two weeks. I knew I had to hire 20 people. Uh, the first thing I would do is go through my personal Rolodex. The second thing I would do is probably call, you know, my closest 15, 20 people that I know and trust. Yep. The third thing I would do is get active personally and, you know, just get out and be like, okay, I got to shake the bushes a little bit. I got to make some stuff happen. 
the last thing I would do is put a job description on any ad platform. That would be the last choice I would make. Because again, hiring is about mitigating risk. And the best yeah. way to mitigate risk is to identify those prospects through myself or through people I trust. I've got 25 years of professional experience. You know how many people I can call on to sure. see if they know anybody? Yep. Hundreds, yep. hundreds. Yep. And I guarantee you within two weeks, I could hire 20 people, get them in the right positions without ever, maybe one or two of them, but very few, if ever, having yep. to touch base on depend on some something or someone else. And the problem is so many people go reverse. If you were to ask, put that same scenario on most business leaders, their first response would be a sign on the door that we're hiring <laughs> That's right. or throwing ads at algorithms and websites. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, you know how much risk you've just introduced into this yeah. whole situation? Yeah. yeah. And I'm all about mitigating risk. I yeah. want to mitigate the risk. Well, r risk and time too. You've now, yes. because you, you, you've yes. now created, uh, you've opened up a way where you're flooded with hundreds of wrong candidates that don't fit but you've got to go through them nonetheless, right? And, 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 I, and I certainly don't mean that to be disparaging, but certainly from, a, right. from a time standpoint, right? So if you've got two weeks, the last thing you want to do is look at, you know, 400 resumes of people that don't fit with what you want to do, right? It's just- And, and, and most of them don't fit. And right. the other problem with that is since you didn't recruit them or someone you know didn't recruit them, now you're going to have to start the interview process from point A. Yeah. Whereas yeah. the great thing of having a network of people and being able to hire 20 people that quickly from a trusted circle is if I call you and go, look, man, I need 10 people. You know anybody? You've already interviewed those people sure, for me. Of course. Of course. Because you know them. And I know I can jump the gun on that and it'll be, it'll be perfect. The odds of those, of, of those fitting they go so high versus me having to just run a crapshoot and take a risk and a gamble. And so, yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, it just from an energy output, from an efficiency output, it just doesn't, sure. yeah. it doesn't make sense. And I think people would agree. I, I really believe, again, I have hope in humanity. <laughs> I believe that 95% of leaders would agree that that scenario, the scenario that's happening now doesn't yep. work. And the scenario we just painted would work, but A, they don't know how. They've never been, been given permission. You know how many managers working for large companies have never been given permission to take an hour a week to go recruit? Mm, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. But if you, if you took 30 minutes a day from every shift and went to the bank and went to the grocery store and went to the, you know, whatever, and you recruited you would have zero problem finding people. Yep. They haven't been given permission to, to network. And, and so when they don't, they're not given permission. Most people don't have going to your show. They don't have the audacity yeah. to make that decision themselves. And not that that's wrong, but it's holding them back from really finding success. You got it. You got it. Mitch, I, I want to touch on the, 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 the last part in your the title of your book, the you know, building your dream team. Um, I wonder if you can sort of speak to why that was important for you to have that aspect or element uh, in the book. If you ask any leader, sports coach, um, entrepreneur, solopreneur, business leader, they're going to tell you they want a dream team. And most of the time, they would be able to sit and make a list of what those all-stars look like. They would, but they've just never taken the time to do it. And they've never taken the time to learn or be taught how to build that team. Again, I want to go back to sports. I'm a sports fanatic. Yep. You know, it's, it's very difficult for, and you see it with a lot of sports franchises. Rich guy spends a lot of money to buy a team, but has no idea how to run a team. And it doesn't work. Another person, maybe third or fourth generation owner, They've seen it, they've been yeah. through it, they've learned it, they know how to do it. And so they build success or even better, rich person buys a team and hires the right, right people person. and lets them do their job. Yeah. They don't get in the way. That's right. They don't, you know, they don't put their fingers in the mix. They own it and then they hire the right people. But I believe everyone, business leader that's successful right now or unsuccessful could sit and make a list of their all-star team. And so that, that, little, that little tag at the end to build your dream team was almost a tag of hope that it's possible for you to have your dream team. You don't have to continue struggling with finding great people. You don't have to continue struggling with this turnstile of people coming and going. And you can be a great leader and have zero stress.
Well, right. not zero, right? But uh, little yeah. negative stress. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, so many people are in leadership positions because of the money. Yeah. And they're so stressed out that it's incredible. And it's yeah. like, what currency are you willing to exchange for your stress? <laughs> because if you want some good stress in life and you want to enjoy your work, yeah. then it's time to build your dream team. And guess what? Mm -hmm. That's 100% possible. Yeah, absolutely is. And I, and I think if, if you go in with a mindset uh, from the hiring component of this is what we're working towards. So yeah. it's so it's not even to say that. I'm hiring this person to fill this hole that I have, right? Yeah. I'm hiring this person to be a part of my team to further us as an organization. Yeah. Two totally different mindsets, yeah. totally different mindsets. I, I love to phrase that as what I call hiring detachment. Okay. You're hiring the person, not the position. Got you. And when you can detach the person from the position, so yep. forget what position you need right now, just hire great people because great people are coachable, they're teachable and they're hard workers. And so, yes, I mean, we're excluding, you know, there are some positions, lawyers, doctors, sure, et cetera. Sure, That's sure. a different story. I'm talking yeah. to ever the majority of jobs in the world right now. Don't worry about the position because 90% of that stuff you can teach. Yeah. Detach yourself from that and just, just hire great people. When you find someone awesome, hire them. Um, I used to work for a company years ago that said, we always have room for awesome people. Mm, I love it. And that's, that's a great hiring philosophy. When I meet someone awesome, I'm either going to recruit them or convert them to become a recruiter for me. So I'm always looking out for those people and always have room for awesome people because when you do, the position works itself out. I love it. I love it. I love it, man. Mitch, this has been uh, such a great chat. I really yeah. enjoyed it. One last thing I want to ask you about, uh, and I, I, mean, I, I feel there's been sort of a theme throughout, but we're going to be very specific right. with respects to, uh, you know, we talk, about, we talk about hiring great people leads to the success of a company. That's just, totally. right? that's just totally. the bottom line. In fact, we could have, we could have started that com that our conversation with that statement and stopped. Like we really could have, because that really yeah. is a bottom line to all this. I wonder if you could sort of speak to that. That's right. Is our last point here? Yeah. I mean, you, if you hire, if you hire a great team, you, you can't stop success. Right. You're, you're going to have to work really hard to destroy this because again, people that are, that are on fire with a purpose, with a passion, with an idea, it's, yep. it's impossible to stop them. Now they're probably going to leave you if you try, if you try and stop <laughs> right. their success. Right. 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 But you know, and that's why we talked about, you know, the, the solution, the result, the problem, et cetera, et cetera. And how we've kind of twisted it to where the product and scaling and margin, that's all become kind of our target. But really, for me, the target, the middle bullseye is surrounding myself with the greatest people I possibly can. If I do that, guess what's going to follow? Great revenue, great profit, great margin, great customer satisfaction. You can't stop it. Right. It, it's, it's going to happen. But, it, it, you know, you can be the you can be think you're the greatest leader in the world. Yep. But if you're not surrounded by even greater people, and, and I think that's a vulnerability that so many leaders don't want to sit with. And that right. is, you better be finding people that are better than you. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's how you're going to fulfill your maximum potential is to find people that are better than you. Yeah. Um, and so, like you said earlier, I, I don't want a bunch of me's. Right. I don't want 20 of you. I don't want yeah. 20 of one other person. I want a mix and a balance and an inclusion of different personalities, different sure. passions, different skill sets. And I want people that are just better than me. And when you do that, uh, all that other stuff you're worried about. Yeah. Yeah. It works yeah, itself yeah. out. You know, I, I, I heard someone uh, actually very recently sort of talk about the, the, the conversation was about recruitment in general. And it, what the one of the, the pieces of advice that was being you know, put out was, you know, you have the, you, you know, as, as someone seeking a job or looking for a job or looking for a place to work, you know, you're the one that you're, that should be interviewing your potential manager, whether or not you want to be there. Yes. Right? And, yes. And, yes. and if you're that manager or you're that individual that grows people, that allows them to to develop, um, you know, we, we talk about bringing the right people that are, and they're looking for success. Sometimes that success isn't within your company. You know, maybe they needed to get something from your organization and move on. And the other, in the other side of my world, I'm a, 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 an executive with a professional basketball league. 
Uh, so we've got a lot of pro players that have aspirations of playing professional basketball that come through our league. Well, when they leave us, you know, and there's other places they can go, that's a great thing for our league. Yes. Because, yes. because yes. Some, in some instances, we provided the springboard, we provided that initial platform. And from my perspective, you know, as long as the NBA exists, which is considered right. the top league, then you always have something to shoot for, right? So yeah. as much as, you know, we want to keep you, we want to have you play for us, and, you know, there's still more room to grow. And so I, I, I take pride in the fact knowing that you started here, but you ended up over yeah. there and you're doing great things. And that's really, you know, what we have to bear in mind when we're, we're talking about this hiring and recruitment and, and our company yeah. success. So, that, so that's that foundation of humanity, right? So we're dealing with people as humans first, uh, employees, team players, et cetera, second. Yeah. And so the idea of great leadership is actually the idea of incubation. Really what I'm doing is I'm helping people just incubate, learn, train, grow. I heard someone say a few weeks ago that all great leaders should, should have the mission to convert every single person on their team to become entrepreneurs. Oh, man. And that's a win-win because a lot of people are going to become entrepreneurs, but a lot of people are not. But I would rather have a team of people with an entrepreneurial mindset than I would a team of robots who are just following a task list. Because with with robots, you don't get idealism. You don't get passion. You also don't get frustration and anger and all that, but you want all that because that's a human experience. And you don't get challenged to be better either. No, that's right. That's right. And so- you know, really the idea of great leadership is becoming an incubator of great people who are going to move on. You know, I was talking to someone a few days, actually this came up twice this week, the idea of non-compete clauses. And, you know, I get it somewhat, but on the other side of a non-compete clause is the lack of incubation. Because we're not, we're, we're instead of putting in a, an environment of empowerment, mm-hmm. we're putting in an environment of imprisonment. Gotcha. That says, well, once you leave us, you can't do A, B, and C. And it's like, no, you should actually be, once you leave us, we hope you do <laughs> That's A, B, right. and C. That's right. And that just make, that makes your company better. It makes your team better. It makes you better as a leader. And so don't fear. Yeah, don't, for the listeners, don't fear the idea of incubating someone else's greatness. Gotcha. Because that is one of the greatest human acts you can take part in. I love it. I love it. Man, Mitch, just like I said, this has been great. I really, really appreciate awesome. you being here. It was a fabulous chat. Uh, so for our listeners, if you let them know where they can uh, certainly learn more about you, your podcast, your book, your speaking, you got a bunch of things on your plate, but certainly let them know where we can yeah. send them. Yeah. So first of all, the book is available anywhere you buy books. Um, Mitch Gray, look up my name, G-R-A-Y, or How to Hire and Keep Great People. Uh, my website is MitchGrayMedia.com. You can also find me at what, Instagram, Twitter, at MGrayMedia, LinkedIn, just search me. Um, and we are taking on new clients now, and I'm setting up speaking engagements. So I would love to come work with your team, even if it's just a speaking engagement. Let's do it. Yeah, let's, let's shift to the idea of leadership, right? Absolutely. And let's uh, let's create a powerful place for people to grow. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a fabulous point to end on uh, creating powerful workplaces and uh, the growth of our people. Uh, it's the most humanist thing to do, right? So that's right. That's right. That's what we're about, man. That's right. what we're about. <laughs> awesome. Well, Miss, thanks for being here. Appreciate it, man. And all the best. Thanks, brother. Yes, you too. Back we are here on the Audacious Living Podcast, and a uh, big, big shout out and thanks goes to Mitch for, for joining here. Uh, your your ice your your insights uh, were practical and, and straightforward, and I really, really appreciate you uh, for hanging out with us here. You know, uh, when I reflect on my conversation with Mitch, you know, he left us with so many great things. But if there's just one thing that I take away from my conversation, it would be this. You know, having a great team made up of quality individuals continues to be a key success factor in any business. And it all starts with the hiring process. Leaders and hiring managers need to ensure that they're bringing in the right people with the right skills who are in alignment with the direction of the overall organization. To figure out if there's alignment, you're gonna have to look past the credentials on the piece of paper and recognize the humanity that exists within the individuals or individual that they're considering hiring. If there's alignment on both sides, 
you're on your way to building a super powerful dream team. Hey, listen, if you haven't registered for email notifications of the Audacious Living podcast, please know you can do so by heading over to Best audaciouslife.com all you've got to do is enter in your email address and you will be immediately notified every time there's brand new content that comes out so it's quick easy and it definitely keeps you in the loop as we are about to close out uh, the end of another edition of the Audacious Living Podcast, uh, I want to take this opportunity, as always, to thank uh, our tremendous listeners. Uh, the ongoing support is fantastic, uh, and I say thank you uh, for, for being here. Uh, thank you for the motivation, and, and we certainly will keep going. And uh, again, this, this tremendous uh, world of audacious that we live in, we're going to keep spreading that. So again, your ongoing support is super, super appreciated. Until Until next time, stay safe, be kind, show love to one another, and be audacious. You've been listening to the Audacious Living Podcast, hosted by Audley Stevenson. If you enjoyed what you heard, be sure to like, subscribe, and share. Until next time, be audacious.